Welcome to the Otherworld's GG Community Cast. This is episode number 17. I am Table for Two, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Mellified and Alien Pickle. How's it going? I thought we were going to number the show by hex digits. Uh, it wouldn't sh- shoot. <laughs> Did we forget that part? Damn it. Uh, oh, no. Uh, um, I'm doing great. You know, it's it's a beautiful day here in Texas. We uh, It's spring, so we had somebody we knew who was moving to an area. They couldn't keep their five chickens, um, their five hens that lay eggs. So we inherited those. And then we had one of our existing chickens. She was brooding, which means she's been sitting on her eggs uh, for the last few weeks. And she hatched a couple baby chicks already. So we have an abundance of chickens here at the Mellified uh, compound. It's uh, it's kind of fun. Jim used to have chickens, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going to have chickens again. But I have to put up the uh, anti-hawk kind of mm. out there. You the know, bad here. You know, living out in the country now, maybe I should start getting some chickens. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we let ours roam in the yard. There's enough, you know, uh, air cover from trees and stuff that they do okay. Um, and if you look at the yolks of a store-bought egg, you know, we all think of eggs as being yellow. Um, our eggs are bright, like uh, 80s neon bright orange. Like red um, orange. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just super super orange. Like uh and it's because of all the extra vitamins and minerals they get just from grazing um over a large open space. Uh it's pretty amazing how much of a difference it makes. And the huh. quality, like, I mean they're not as big as the grocery store eggs, but the quality of the eggs is a lot better. Yeah. Um, well, in North Carolina we have a lot of problem with like ticks and fleas and whatever, right? And you had a yard full of chickens, you don't have any problems with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, apparently, if you have snakes, I've been told you get a donkey because the donkeys will chase the snakes away. I that seems like kind of a weird bit of of farm trivia to me, but apparently, same, same deal with ogres, right? Like if you have ogres in your, <laughs> <laughs> that is a very nice, timely. I will add Shrek uh, reference. Very good, nice. Um, but yeah, I, so it's been it's been a fun a fun uh, stretch here. No, that's fun. Yeah, I mean, every morning I, I uh, I'm close enough to my my new job where I can kind of like walk over there, and uh, there's a farm across the street, and you just hear this rooster just going to town every morning. It's quite entertaining. Yeah, that was a problem that I had because we had um, roosters seem to be kind of like dogs in that the smaller they are, the louder they are. <laughs> we had like a little Cornish hen like just a, a pocket rooster right and oh that bastard would just never shut up it, it was like <laughs> hey, the sun's been up for 10 hours bro just give it up <laughs> ours crows you know throughout the day but not not continuously generally and we don't hear them in the house because they're kind of on the other side of the yard so I well i i also came to realize that chickens can kind of be assholes because i went to go oh, yeah. i went to go visit jim one time and uh I stayed the night at their place, and, like, the next morning, I'm, like, leaving uh, to go home, and I'm, like, walking out to my car, and there's, like, uh, the fence line is just, like, all chickens, and they're all staring at me, and it's like, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, you know. Oh, dude, they lived until you had them actually attack you. Like, <laughs> uh, you look out the window, right? It's like Link, Link with his sword. And start the yard. <laughs> Yeah, it was very much like chicken abuse in the Zelda games, right? Because, like, <laughs> she's okay. So she went out to the coop, and the chicken was like, it flew up on the roof of the coop. So it's like eye to eye, like staring at her, right? And and then she's just like, well, what are you gonna do about it? And then he decided to do something about it. <laughs> and then that ended up in her like kicking the chicken up against the house, and then the chicken like rebounds off the house, like, oh yeah, and <laughs> chasing her around the yard. So she comes in and she's like, "Man, you got to get rid of that rooster." I was like, that was funny as hell. <laughs> I uh, I have heard someone told me uh, someone who keeps chickens that if chickens were bigger, like they were supposedly, you know, uh, 
a million, couple million years ago when they were dinosaurs, that it makes perfect sense they would rule the earth because they are nasty, nasty creatures. They are mean. They fight dirty. Uh, it's just the size is the only reason that that you have a problem. But uh, I don't know. I I don't know that I buy it because a my chickens aren't that aggressive. I guess maybe is is part of it, but. Um, we've lost a couple of our flock and one of them was our dog got out and she just ran up to the chicken, grabbed it by the neck and, and shook and snapped its neck and killed it. And in like the blink of an eye. So, um, first of all, we, we do not have good, uh, protective dogs apparently for our, our livestock mental note to not uh not trust them with any sheep but the other uh the other thing was you know we lost another one that just disappeared we don't know if it wandered off we don't know if a hawk got it but you know um i was expecting you know some some throwdown uh fights or something but jim, I jim, seen it. jim just posted a link in admin chat and i gotta ask are those are those roosters wearing bell bottoms what the hell's going on with this yeah, there's their chicken breed from the 70s oh my gosh <laughs> No, but consider that that's a human-sized door that they just walked past. No, no. They're not that big. There's no way. Yeah, it's like an ostrich-ass chicken. Isn't that like the um, the things in the Chocobos in uh, Final Fantasy games? That's yeah, what that so. looks like to me. Oh, that's got to be a person. There's no way. In a here's, suit. One, here's one actually climbing out of a coop. I Joan had bought um, it, it was uh, trying to remember what the heck the, uh, Jersey Giants, right? You bought a couple, okay. of and unfortunately, the dog in the neighborhood here killed them. Oh, or, yeah. Um, and that's well, partially, killed them. I had to finish them. Well, but, that's even worse. But yeah, no, I'm sorry. Do you hear it's that? a amazing how much a chicken can just run around looking normal with like half of itself missing that's kind of a weird nature thing yeah but uh, anywho moving on from that geez yeah. <laughs> i was just say uh, this is making great great uh podcast right so so moving on from chickens i do i do have a i do have a thing i want to discuss and that's this weird interesting like live service that we're kind of in with games right um, it occurred to me uh, just this morning. I loaded up. Uh, we were talking about the Halo Master Chief Collection, and even before we started recording this morning, I loaded up the Master Chief Collection on my own because I was wanting to check it out. And I was looking through some of the because you can you can um, play and and gain points to where you can like unlock skins for you know the different Halo games or your guns, vehicles, stuff like that. And early on in the Master Chief Collection, when they put that stuff out for the PC, a couple of the Warthog skins for the Halo CE were Jurassic Park themed. And um, one of them was called Park Ranger, and the other one was called Clever Girl. And uh, I took a took a look to see uh, where those were on my list, because I was like, yeah, I've unlocked these. And I was like, oh, they look different now. And it turns out that back in December with an update... The uh, they've all been updated to distance themselves from the Jurassic Park influence. So the skins are similar. They've just had their color palette changed and some symbols kind of reorganized to make them distanced away from. And they've even changed the name, I think, of Clever Girl to be like uh, Medic or something like that. I just find that interesting um, to a point where it's it's enough of a difference to where it really shouldn't matter. But yet, at some point, someone still got kind of some some thing stuck somewhere where the sun don't shine to make a fuss about it. And I find that fascinating, and I find that also very unfortunate. Do you think it's it's that, or that they lost the rights to... I don't think I don't think they lost the rights to anything. I don't think there was a rights issue at all because the Warthog is a drastically different shaped vehicle than the Jeeps from Jurassic Park. It was just the color scheme was similar, right? Um, mm. There was a, it was a similar variant of a color scheme to kind of make it like similar to 
maybe like a, a Jeep from Jurassic Park or something like that. And I and I and I think that's why a lot of people went and unlocked those or tried to unlock them because that was a cool little like nod to Jurassic Park. Not that they were directly trying to rip off an IP or steal a brand or anything like that. And I find that kind of sure, stuff just a to little be, homage, basically. Right. And I and I think when people do that it's a nice little nod saying because you you like a thing, but to um to change it because maybe they might get in trouble for it to me just seems I just I just hate that nature of we can't really um show affection for the things that we appreciate because you know it violates some kind of like copyright law somewhere and it's like uh, you can't name a gun Italian plumber because Nintendo will come <laughs> or something you know like yeah what game are you talking about uh Halo Master Chief Collection so oh. Um, I know this has been pretty notorious in like a lot of other games, but licensing is another one. So like, and, and again, in the world of live services, right? So like, let's take, and this is, this is a pretty known one at this point. Let's take Grand Theft Auto 4, for example. If you bought the Steam version of Grand Theft Auto 4, a lot of that music was removed from the game because of licensing. They actually went and changed the physical or the digital version of this game that you purchased because of licensing. And thankfully, the modders out there have changed it to where you can get the mod to put the music all back in it from the original, right? Because modders be like that. Thank you, by the way. Um, but it's weird because, like, if I have a physical version of the disc, that stuff doesn't matter. So, it, to, it, to me, at what point does, like, these these copyright things really need to be enforced or licensing like it just it just it's just weird to me like i don't understand it i don't know what's your all's take on some of that stuff the one that that makes me sad is when a game gets pulled from sale uh because the license expires and it's not worth it to pay the money to renew right so we lose the ability to purchase that game that recently happened with forza horizon 3 which is I would argue one of the best racing, you know, arcade racing games ever made. Um, and four is better in some ways, but I think three still, especially the Hot Wheels mode in three is uh, spectacular. And I don't fully understand the reasoning of um, car manufacturers why they wouldn't want that game to continue and why they wouldn't cut a deal on the the likeness rights or the usage rights on those things because it seems to me like it's just one big advertisement for ford or porsche or whoever to have their game you know have their game um yeah but car manufacturers are freaking weird about their licensing stuff like i remember Porsche would was like, well, you can use our stuff in the Forza, but you can't have any damage models because we don't want to show a, a Porsche with a scuff on it. So, can't you know? And then it, it was just like, ah, oh, yeah, we don't really need your stuff. Then bye. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was strange. And some, I think it was Horizon. They actually came back and then sold a Porsche specific pack when Porsche finally came around and was like, oh yeah, maybe we do need to be in this game. just strange stuff though yeah yeah i guess that's that's the one that stands out to me as being strange but the music is another one where at least they can just patch out the music i guess and it's not excuse me quite so bad um well okay you, you okay mentioned... well so so i guess what i'm trying to get at is at what point now patches and updates are one thing right to like fix a bug or fix a thing or to tweak a thing right like there there's a there's a certain level there but at what point as a consumer do i buy a thing that then is is acceptable to say you can change the thing that i've already paid money for did you you see where i'm going with particularly that? Like, when you're taking stuff away Right, like when when something is flat out completely removed as an element, because I would I would argue that music is an integral part of the Grand Theft Auto experience, right? Like they they use it very much in like the radio stations. It it plays into the the jokes in a, a lot of cases. 
Um, but like when you, and, uh, especially like the main theme song, like the main theme song apparently was removed from Grand Theft Auto 4. And that's kind of like the big yeah, thing, well, you know, yeah. like, Hey, hang, hang on a, a second here, guys. So like when, when I've bought something that I've had for a number of years and then all of a sudden, I, I know it's kind of a moot point to argue about it because modders are great and that's why we love modders, but at the same time, where's the ethics here that says, hey, like, I've already purchased this. Don't go changing this thing that I've purchased. Um, well, here's here's the thing, right, is number one, it's not I mean, potters are are great. Um, thank you to all the people who sacrifice their you know weekends and evenings to make more stuff for us to play. But that doesn't help console players. Right. Right. If, if right. Microsoft patches it out, it's gone. Yeah. Um, or, or whoever, but like, how do I put this? The part that upset that is upsetting to me is the idea that we as consumers do not have any rights when it comes to digital content. And this was, uh, you know, has, we've touched on this a few times over the last, you know, 15, 20 years as digital distribution has become bigger and bigger. But if you get banned by Valve, let's say, for cheating in Dota 2, um, you lose access to your entire library of games. Which, at this point, it might be heirloom-worthy if you got a couple of Steam games, right? That's a big financial consequence for something that is arguably unrelated. And... I think what's going to end up happening is, well, we, to be fair, we have seen the marketplace make a difference here in that uh, Microsoft now offers refunds on digital purchases, uh, similar to what Valve started. And like, I do give Valve kudos for, for being pro-consumer in that sense. Although I don't think they've solved all of the issues around the two hour refund window because a lot of indies you know might make games that are smaller and then uh uh they lose money because people play the game beat it and refund it but where i'm going where i guess i'm trying to get to this this sprawls into a lot of different areas but for me um i suspect what is going to happen is we are going to end up with legislation that defines a consumer bill of rights for digital purchases. And if you look back at the Consumer Protection Act that was passed in the 70s, a lot of the things that we are struggling with today are actually pretty common sort of excesses of capitalist uh, economies and the government stepped in and put consumer protection laws in place to make sure that uh, consumers were not being ripped off. Right. And I don't love legislation as a solution, as a general rule, but I do think that we're probably at the point where we need to have some kind of guidelines, even if it's just guidelines, not a law, right. but something to say, this is the expected standard. Uh, like, I think we should have the option to go back to the 1.0 game launch or pick really any version of the game on console or PC, just period, right? This, this idea that we're forced to the latest version is kind of crap because you could make then an informed choice as a consumer. I want to play Grand Theft Auto 1.9 because that's the version before they had to take out the music. Wasn't that? Uh, but it's got the bugs fixed, right? Right. Wasn't that the the big thing about like um, um, Counter Strike? Is like Counter Strike one point five was like the big hotness that everybody loved, and so so much so that like Valve actually or Steam put actually put that ver just that version out, um, as like I don't remember that, but I, I mean it does it does sound vaguely familiar, so it's possible. Uh, there's, there's um, I was thinking of Stellaris, actually, which we talked about last episode. Well, Paradox did an interesting thing with that, because for a while, and you may still even be able to do it, but for a while, you could actually go back and play previous versions uh, of well, their they, game. Well, they actually built an entire launcher 
and store to let people do it. So you, if you go and link your Paradox account to your Steam account, it'll pull in all your purchases. And then you can download the Paradox launcher, which will install copies of your games that you own from Paradox. And you can go into a menu and pick which version, uh, which major version you want to play. All the way back to Stellaris 1.0. Yeah, and that was pretty cool because that came in handy too with mods. Because like you mm-hmm. know, an, an update that came out broke a mod that you know maybe you were in the middle of doing a game long form gameplay session with somebody, and it was just like, well, shit, now that's broken, and we can't do that, and can't yep, finish what I've we run started. Into that. You know, and I've, and I've run into that too, which is why I actually stopped playing Stellaris for so long, and I'm I'm actually enjoying where the state it's at now because it seems to be a lot more stable than it was before. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to show you one better. What about if instead of letting you like revert to whatever version off the list, can I have multiple simultaneous installs? Because I might want to play the latest and greatest, but also have the version that's compatible with that good Star Trek mod. So, yeah, both. Uh, or, well, you know, if you play Minecraft, you I was can, just right? about that's, to say that. Yeah. Yep. Minecraft allows you to do exactly that. Um, gets to be kind of a mess sometimes. <laughs> to be frank, if you go into that Minecraft folder, you're like, why do I have 800 uh, folders with different string, you know, version number strings on them? But uh, but yeah, they they absolutely did that because the mod community is so strong in Minecraft, and that's really the reason to play the game for a lot of people. Um, they've had to you know sort of accommodate that or they made the, the the smart business decision to accommodate that maybe is the way to say it um i i just think you know in terms of uh games as a service right the idea of games as a living um you know world of warcraft had the the big push was to you know why won't blizzard give us classic servers we want to go play wow 1.0 we want to play burning crusade wow 2.0 and blizzard said like that doesn't exist anymore we've because what they were doing was patching the live service databases that actually hold this is the i don't know this may be getting a little in the the technical weeds here but um mmos there's no there's no um like one thing that makes up an MMO, right? It's the game server, the game server code versions that are there. Uh, there's databases and the databases have loot drop tables. They have monster, you know, spawn rates and all those things defined. So you end up with a melange of, of uh, different pieces that are all kind of working together. And over the lifetime of the service, as you update one thing, then okay, yeah, now we got to go update the game server. But nobody's necessarily thinking about or keeping track of, okay, this is what is needed for version 1.038 of Warcraft. Because you're so busy in the thing that you're not thinking. Are we, are we losing, are we losing mollified? Oh, like. Hello. I'm here. Can you not hear me? You were you were cutting out pretty hard there for a, for a little minute. So. Oh shit! All right. Well, so anyway, I'll, I'll start over and and we can edit it. How's that? That's fine. You were you were. I mean you. I mean you were you were on the point though of talking about like the Warcraft thing, where you know Blizzard was having that trouble and. To the, to their credit, like I get where they were coming from, but the fact that nobody was saying like we've got archived versions of this or like notes on this or any of that kind of stuff to me was a little frustrating too because, I mean, yeah, I, like there there was clearly there was clearly a, a community of people who wanted to play this, and again we talked about it in our news segment. You know, Blizzard's like you think you want this, but you don't. And it's just like, all right, well, then tell that to the thousands of people who are playing on private servers every freaking day that that's what they want or that's not what they really want. Like, you know, and it came to a point where, you know, one of the most popular like 1.0 pirated servers out there got so popular that they had to put a cease and desist out there and was like, hey, let's actually try and talk to these folks. And eventually they came out with their, you know, their WoW Classic servers. And so now they're doing their Classic series. but you know, I I just don't know how well that's gonna, or how long that's gonna you know last. You know, 
but you know good on them for trying to have it the thing that i think that's frustrating with this though is it's you know because like you said they didn't have any of that original stuff and some some of their when they came out with the classic version they've they've come out with it but they've also like patched some things that were never like fully patched until like an expansion or those kinds of things yeah i mean at the end of the day right world classic had to be reinvented or recreated because nobody was thinking about preserving that and and you know to to be frank like i'm not sure anybody thought that anybody would want to preserve it or want to go back to it. but i think as this is where i'm i'm thinking about guidelines from uh consumer protection agency or something that would say like, Hey, consumers have the right to, you know, revert this digital product to a past version that was available um, with all of the content as it was at that point in time. And I, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing. And if you get the standard, then it gets written into these contracts with the rights holders and the rights holders can't hold the game makers hostage for more money because that's just the expected thing. And so it becomes part of the the landscape and, you know, it doesn't harm the creator of a, 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 you know, piece of music to have that in a game. It's not like anybody's loading, spending 20 minutes loading GTA to go listen to one song. (laughs) So I I just, you know, I, I don't see the downside of, of this. And I, as a spent a stupid amount of money over the years on digital content because I was a very early adopter because I hate stuff. I hate discs everywhere. Um, Cartridges everywhere, dear God. Like, this is super important to me because I have a lot of money tied up in digital purchases that I'd be really, really sad if they left. And I've started, like, backing up my movies uh, with 4K rips of movies that I own because I only own them, I only own streaming rights to those movies. I can't download a 4K version of those, even right. though I've paid for them. Right. Well, I mean, and I, I, you, I think you've, I think you've struck a chord with like, to some of these companies, like, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Homeworld. So Homeworld had uh, their game Cataclysm, right? And when. Um, Gearbox was in the process of trying to do like the HD remaster of Homeworld 1 and 2. They wanted to do Cataclysm, but they didn't have the source code anymore because the source code was like gone. Like some somehow in the mix of a lot of things, all that stuff just like went away. It would almost seem to be to me like and I, I know we were talking about like as little government involvement as possible, but wouldn't it be crazy interesting if there was a like a section of a library of Congress for source code for games like or or something like that or I don't know like because you know when they when they have to do like the movies right they have to per they have to provide um what, what was it like the um the the American movie like registrar or something like that like you have to provide an original print of the film to go into the archived collection or whatever it is um and for like the longest time i uh, like lucas wasn't providing that for star wars or something like that but hmm. um there there but some something to that effect would be quite interesting to see because then you know because you know with with the mass effect uh, remake that's coming out the remaster that's coming out for that there's a whole portion and i know it's not that big of a deal to some people and, and it's not necessarily a big deal to me either but it, it does it does kind of sting a little bit when the source code for that particular little portion of DLC was corrupted enough to where they couldn't reincorporate it into the remaster. So you quite literally have to have an old version of the game if you want to try and see what that content was all about. Yeah, and, and in, you know, in that case, it seemed like it was pretty inconsequential, which I think is why they did effort into restoring it. But, you know, we've we've had this issue with movies for a long time where the film is literally rotting way in the canister because it wasn't properly preserved or the bbc writing over the master tapes of doctor who episodes that have now gone forever because they were broadcast once in the 60s and you know now we don't have them anymore like this is where uh other worlds gg speaks to me as uh 
as something I want to be a part of because we talk about games preservation and it's not um, any different than these other other examples, but games for me is such a big part of my experience growing up, who I am as a person, that I it's really important to me that I have the experiences available for my kids. Um, I want them to experience, I want my grandkids to experience, you know, the hell that is uh, Mega Man someday. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Or or some of these precision uh, platformers. Hey, hey, kid! I heard you like squadrons. Have you heard of this game? I heard. Have you heard of Tie Fighter? <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Right. And and I don't. I think we have a tendency to very much have nostalgia, you know, goggles on for a lot of these older things that we remember very fondly. Um, being a com a kid who grew up with a Commodore sixty four and going back and playing some those games has been a a very uh revelatory experience for me i now understand just how powerful nostalgia can can cloud our perception of what we were actually doing right but at the same time like that's part of our history and right. to lose history is is sad like i mean that, that i mean have you depresses me. have you gone back and played tie fighter in any recent like history uh it's been a few years yeah i haven't done graphical upgrade mods and stuff that people have been doing um but i played it probably five or six years ago again yeah well i mean like the gameplay is is challenging it's 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 not a mm -hmm. it's not an easy game like there are consequences like if you know you blow up uh start over like yeah um, and it's also not like oh god i can't look at this you know it's it's you get the resolution up, you know, because 320 by 200 ain't nobody can look at that anymore. But, <laughs> you know, right. Maybe well, on the screen. But, you know, like if you if you go in and do the direct X tweak and you get that thing up to like 1080p and you don't have to like modify textures or any because X-Wing Alliance. Yes, you can do crazy. But the original TIE Fighter, not so much. And that's why there's there's this big effort that's going on in, in a couple of community projects to like port the old TIE fighter missions over. And then there's another group that's remaking the whole engine in, on, in uh, unity. And mm -hmm. I, I almost went blue Drake. I'm like, dude, they're doing it in unreal. Um, but you know, they're, they're bringing it over to that. So there there's these things because people know that core gameplay, the way the missions were designed, the story that's in it, it's all pristine. It's good. There's nothing wrong with that. And why new games are not being made that utilize that successful formula. It doesn't have to be TIE Fighter, but you can use things that you learned from TIE Fighter to structure a game in such a way that there, yes, it is a scripted campaign with randomized elements so that you can replay endlessly and you're not going to get the same situation. But the story beat can be the same, right? That, and I don't understand why nobody actually uses the the wisdom of the old like middle era games because the early stuff like Atari twenty six hundred and whatever it's like no. Nah, well, well, they were they were they were coming from the arcade you know design aesthetics, right? Which ironically, mobile has gone back to, and a lot of our our you know uh, pay to win, pay to play stuff comes from the arcade days but anyway the arcade days they make sense in a mobile context because in a mobile context it, it's like in an arcade i was gonna play for you know a couple minutes on a court mm -hmm. and then game over start over well in a phone situation i might only have a few minutes to sit there like i'm killing time while i'm like in a waiting room or something yep. or whatever so yeah I, I want a single serving experience i don't need a 20 hour long i don't i don't need campaign. i don't need kotor but apparently you can get kotor you know it's like <laughs> you know and yeah i wonder how many people have actually played it much you know it's like, like I bought you... it because it's there and nostalgia goggles but then well i really play it on the pc right because who's got time to sit and squint at their phone for 30 hours well yeah but like it's just kind of the to your point it's just like the the mobile stuff that they they keep putting things on there to grab your attention so that way you'll throw more ad revenue or more you know 
button presses on the screen to get your attention there. It's like, it's the Flappy Bird thing, right? Like everybody's trying to be the the new Flappy Bird. Um, yeah. But I, I just wish that people would go back and look at the design aesthetic of these games then the the language that they used and and how it was architected and just be like you know there's some things to be learned by that because it was so successful like i this i i want a game to look pretty but like i don't necessarily need it to be oh my god 4k textures in order it's the call of duty thing right like i can't stand playing call of duty because it's got to freaking render all of my textures every time i play the damn game and you're just like can we not I I will come out of left field here and try and give my theory on why it is that we've lost the knowledge of those old games. Um, because I think there's there's actually a really clear connection in my mind, at least. Um, the industry is notoriously bad about respecting people's work-life balance, the gaming industry. Uh, crunch time being the you know the the sort of hot button topic that a lot of people talk about, um, but Blizzard also to be blunt pays pretty shitty. Like if you're coming in, you're not making anything close to what you could make at another tech company where your skills you know are are desirable. But it, it's like, dude, I'm working at Blizzard. Well, that only goes so far, and it, I yeah. feel that the the value of that statement has fallen. But it used oh, to for Blizzard for sure. But in any any game company, right? Oh, I, I'm a game developer. Okay, well, good for you. Like that that's great. Um, but you have to feed your family. You ha as as the population of employees age up, right? They go from being twenty somethings out of college, no real responsibilities, to actually having a family money becomes more of an issue and quality of life becomes more of an issue. What's the point in having a family if you can't ever see them because you're busy crunching. So the industry chases a lot of people out. A lot of companies rely on their cachet at, in the industry and, and being a desirable place to work as a way to sort of lure college kids in who don't know what their labor is worth because they've never worked really uh, in a, in a job like that in a professional setting. And so, and they can put them through the grist mill and those people in their thirties realize this is a dead end. I'm never going to make a, the right kind of living. I can go work at my, you know, at my bank or I can go work for an insurance company or I can go work for, you know, the, the hospital and make 50% more, 40% more. And that's so why devs, that's why devs end up making spreadsheets instead of cool yes. video things. Also, well, video games are hard. Well, that's, you're, you're asking the computer to, to do like all of its cool things mm -hmm, at once. Not, yeah. And well, and so where I'm going with all this is to say, so what you're doing is chasing the talent out of the industry, chasing the people who have four or five years of experience, seven, eight years of experience, who have figured out all the lessons, right? Because as human beings, as a rule, are not good about learning from other people. They're good about learning from their own experience. And as a result, we have to relearn the lessons of the past. Now, you can do that on a micro scale, and it doesn't have too much impact. And if you have more senior people above you to help guide you and, and maybe help you course correct away from the mistakes that they've made, you have this process of continual improvement and things get better and things get more interesting. Um, but we don't have that with gaming because the senior people in the industry are very few and far between because we've chased most of the people out of the business uh, because of stupid business decisions around things like crunch time. Um, I worked with a game company, uh, one of the founders of whom wrote an article, uh, uh, sorry, produced a study uh, where he collected information from game companies and looked at the correlation between the number of hours over eight hours a day 40 hours a week and correlated that against the quality of the releases 
and proved based on that data pretty pretty clearly that crunch time does not make better games right it it actually makes worse games yet when his company needed to get their game done what did he do I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. He put them on crunch time. <laughs> even though he knew for right, sure right. that it was a bad idea. Right. And so this is where it's just endemic to the industry. I don't know how to fix it. I left, you know, I'm I'm now gaming adjacent, right? And I never had crunch time that bad to to be fair. Because I was in the technology side, not in the, the game development side of the business. But um, I've gone and I've moved out of the game industry because honestly, it pays better, and I still get to do fun stuff. I still get to work with with people who are passionate about gaming, so I love where I'm at. But uh, that's not that's not the majority of people's experience, right? They leave the game industry to go into a real air quotes real job, and we lose all that talent, and it sucks because yeah. it causes exactly what you're talking. Well, like, I I. I yeah. Anyway. No, no, no. I, I, I wonder though. Like, when we're gonna see the next big, like, being built in someone's garage game. Like, here's a team of people. Like, you remember those old stories? Like, that's it's kind of like you know the Bill Gates and like the the Wozniak story of like you know building the computer out of their garage. Or like, um, if you've ever watched the making of um, you know we've talked about Mist on the show, but if you if you watched like. The making of Riven, um, the sequel to Mist by the Cyan guys, they have this really cool video and they talk about like it was like they had this like two story garage and it was like a, like you know ten people packed in the upstairs portion of this garage around these like computers, you know at someone's house or like you you know you hear like the origins of like Valve where they're like you know at Gabe's house like sitting around in like different parts of the house trying to like develop this game, you know. You know, people people trying to go out and start these new things and like these these entrepreneurial mindsets of like wanting to build a thing because, you know, they've got these cool ideas for how a cool game can be made or something revolutionary that they've got, you know, stuck in their head on what they would like to do. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, these indie games are definitely passion projects. You know, I think about the guy who, you know, he's in our Discord. Um, he's building that... Um, that Internet hunter net game yeah and yeah. i and i've played i've played that a good bit and i've played it with him and a bunch of other people and i'm just like man you're doing all the right things with this game like you're you're really you're taking a lot of feedback you're getting people in here playing it um you're getting involved with them you're listening to them and you're and you're building something out that just like these other games of the genre that are coming out right now just are not doing and you know i think too about like how you know, back in the day, you know, Nintendo and Sega and these guys, they, they had these studios of people that were playtesting their games on a regular basis. Like, they would hire people to come in as testers and play these games and give feedback and uh, that were gamers and stuff like that. And now, now the consumer is the tester. It's just like, we're going to get the live, we're going to launch this game, we're going to get the live feedback, everybody's going to complain about it, and then we're going to fix what's wrong with it. And it's just like, the the quality of standards has just shifted drastically because, you know, I don't know, someone can afford to do it, I guess. Like, it's it's weird. Um, and I and, and for what it's worth, that's kind of where I see things with Other Worlds. Now, Other Worlds GG may not be making video games yet, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I definitely do see this as a place where it's just like, let's, you know, let's bring ideas to the table. Let's talk about stuff. Let's try and see what we can accomplish and what we can do. And as gamers, like, try and put our heads together and enjoy this medium, you know, games preservation as an example, this medium together, so. Imagine a world. Yeah. Where we have 30-foot-tall mechs. No, I, I absolutely, I mean, I think everyone plays games as a game in the back of their mind. Oh, my God. I If only somebody would make this right and we touched on this last in the news last episode microsoft is offering um indie kind of development tools through azure soon and the democratization or the the popularization of game making um we had dreams uh on the ps4 uh, a couple years back uh mario maker 2 
Uh, and uh, previous to that, Microsoft had a Spark, Project Spark, for a number of years. Um, none of them has really caught on, you know, to where we're getting games actually published with these platforms. No. But I think it's it's setting the stage for that to happen in in a you know handful of years where the people who did these things um, growing up will you know. There's- there's a new put that passion in a new tool. There's a new one out there called Core, which is in beta, and it's um for Unreal on Epic. Um, so there's a there's a platform called Core, which uh, which utilizes the Unreal Engine, and you can go in and you know use the elements and assets to make your own game. So it's kind of like a Project Spark or something like that that uh, gets. You know what it what it most. Uh reminds me of is have you ever joined one of those minecraft servers that's like a minecraft arcade and there's like a hub or Gary's mod yeah yeah it's it's like you know you you go over and touch the sign and oh now we're racing go-karts or the you know other Mm -hmm. all this crazy shit that's been done in minecraft um yeah core seems like one of those kind of things it's almost like a uh whenever all those second life competitors came out which some of them look like really cool ideas. Um, and then what we've recently found, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the post, that UFO convention that's going on in May. It's like $140 to show up, and it's basically like you're logging into a Second Life server, and then they're doing the convention mm. in there. So mm. it's become, it's gone from like, hey, it's video gamey stuff, to, hey, we got this 3D avatar world that's kind of MMO but it's a it's a jank clunky MMO, you know the the true well, well, experience. The, <laughs> the thing that's different about Core though is that you're not like an avatar in a hub world and playing games. Like you know, there's actually like a menu interface where you can go and like, oh, I want to download this game that someone's making, or I want to like, or I can go and make my own. And there's somebody in in the beta for Core has actually gone in and remade like the like original Battlefront in there. Um, well, that's cool because I thought it was just some Roblox stuff. It's like, oh hey, no, Roblox, it looks like Fortnite. No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not like that at all. Um, I mean, we're talking about like you know, people are pulling in assets from the asset store and building stuff. And um, maybe I need to look again because I was thoroughly not impressed the first time I looked at it. I was just like, oh yeah, you too. Yeah, uh, core is definitely a different avenue. So, um, but anyway. It's definitely there's definitely some cool things to be had, and I, and I am really excited because there are a lot of really cool tools out there, and there's a, there are a lot of really great communities making some really cool gaming stuff. I think I think there's just a lot of passionate people that are really frustrated with the games industry as a whole, whether it be from coverage of the games industry or like AAA developers just not really understanding what the fans really want. Um, because you know even squadrons was a big disappointment for me um it's entertaining and it's fun to play but it's nowhere near what they made it seem like it was going to be based on their history and passion for x-wing and rogue squadron and stuff like that i'm like it's neither of these things it's not even close um yeah my my only hope there is that like the developer up against ea corporate inertia and it's i i have a feeling it's sort of a miracle did and maybe the I'm hoping that the backlash about the game not being grander on in scale or scope um, means that it didn't tank the whole possibility of getting like a full fledged sequel. Well, who knows? We might now because, you know, think thankfully the the Lucasfilm branch has decided to say, EA, you're no longer the sole proprietary for making Star Wars games. We're cutting that tie early. Uh, yeah. we're not, we're not saying, we're not saying you're done making Star Wars games. It's just, you're not going to be the only one anymore. Yeah, and, it's not an exclusive license. Thank and, God. and, you know, now we're going to get, um, Ubisoft for, and for what it's worth, Ubisoft has seen some of its fair share of troubles over the last few years, but Ubisoft has definitely been making a lot of really good open world games. So for them to be making a Star Wars one is definitely interesting. And I am very intrigued. So, yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, I I am I believe that we 
will benefit from having more people making games because the the cream will rise and we will hear about it. That said, I think one of the hardest things right now is discovery. And there are so, you know, we've talked about this before. There are so many games going on Steam every single day that we uh, don't get an opportunity to to play some really great games. And I I have a really strong feeling like that's the next, that's the good application of all the AI technology they're using to try and sell us stuff by tracking us across the internet. Why don't you take that technology and apply that AI to game discovery? Show me the games that I actually really want to play. Just a thought. No, I get you. Well, um, I definitely think that uh, that'll cover us for for today. I mean, we're uh, we've we've had a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of passion on our minds about games and stuff like that. So uh, I think that'll do it for today. But uh, we're still running our giveaway over on our Discord, so feel free to come on over for that. Uh, once we get to a hundred people, we'll be throwing out some twenty five dollar gift cards here and there. So Woo-hoo. tell all your friends. That's um, right. You can find us at discord.otherworlds.gg, and you can also find this podcast and links to all the things, including our Steam group, curator page, and whatnot. If you go to www.otherworlds.gg, you can see the links to all the things. So that's where that's at. Um, it's been a pretty good show. I'm really looking forward to next time. So until then... Take it easy, game on, and uh, this has been episode number 17. Yeehaw!